Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm Tracy Barnett, your host and narrator. Heroes, we have a slight change of pace this week. We are going to begin a new series of a game called Shotguns and Sorcery, and this week, James ran the game. So you get to hear his lovely, familiar tones, his impeccable GMing style, and everything that's great about a series of one-shot. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this series of Shotguns and Sorcery. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. First up, a new voice to the show, but I I have to imagine it's not a new voice to our audience in general. That is the Noir Enigma, joining us on One Shot. Hello, glad to be here. And, oh, man, you, your voice is so good. Like, I'm, I'm, I feel jealous now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Noir, I, I'm excited to be working with you. For First of all, like, you are a fellow Chicago uh, podcaster. Yes, and, that's what's and- up. TTRPG media person, which I, I, you know, I love. I'm always looking to hang out with more folks. And also, you have been on my TikTok feed, I feel like, constantly <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. It doesn't show in the views. TikTok is trying to keep me suppressed. <laughs> I'm I'm on a probably bizarre tor- corner of TikTok with all my TTRPG content. Just, <laughs> That's just where deep, I would be. <laughs> deep. But Noir, just so the audience can get to know who you are in case they love listening to you here and want to listen to you <laughs> elsewhere, uh, do you have any projects you'd like to plug? Uh, yes. Well, first and foremost, I am the community manager for Evil Genius Games, and we have our Kickstarter for Everyday Heroes, which is a spiritual successor to D20 Modern. Uh, if you want to play a TTRPG 5th edition, but you want to shoot guns and, you know, pilot <laughs> robots, then you should back our Kickstarter. We also have uh, campaign settings for a number of of movie franchises, Pacific Rim, The Crow, Highlander. So if you're into any of that kind of stuff, uh, give us a look. Hell yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah, make me look good in front of my boss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next question, we we usually ask an icebreaker to get to know people, and we are playing Shotguns and Sorcery, which is a fantasy noir game. And Mm -hmm. the question I have for you, do, do you have a favorite noir film? Yeah, I'm not, see, I I was thinking about this. I wasn't sure if it counts, but I think it counts. Dark City. Ooh. I know it's I know it's film noir plus sci-fi, but I still feel like it counts. Yeah, it, I mean, I I would say aesthetically, like definitely. I'm trying yeah. to. It, it, I watched Dark City probably the last time in like 2009, so it's been a minute since I've watched the oh, film. It's so but good. Like, Aesthetically, you've got this like brutal city where it's raining. I, I like a, a lot of noir is kind of about desperation and usually more about crime, in my opinion. But like, also, I have a very liberal view of noir. Like, I think um, Zootopia <laughs> is a great noir film. So, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. The movie starts off like full on noir, where it's just like somebody murdered my wife. I'm gonna figure it out, and then like, and then like somewhere in the movie, like the writer was just like, hey. Let's do whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's great. Oh, that's a, that I probably should have asked choice. if I could cuss beforehand because I was <laughs> yes. flipped. This is, well, this is a cussing-friendly show. Oh. We have that explicit tag. We can't lose that explicit oh. tag, so we might as well relax, you know? Okay. I'm going I to test one out. Fuck. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. And Tracy, isolate that, and we'll be able to loop it. Um, great. Fuck. 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 Always happy to help. M- moving on from Noir, I'd like to introduce our, our next guest. This is also a, a new voice to One Shot. Uh, definitely not a new voice to podcasting, though. That is Shane Salk. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is so nice to be here. Or everything. This is very exciting. We're all in red. I realize that I'm now playing to a camera that is not really doing anything for anybody. This has gone well so far. I can't imagine this have gone any better. It is a deep shame that this is an audio-only offering and that people can't know that we somehow dressed to coordinate with each other. 
<laughs> and with your background. Yeah, yeah, well, mm-hmm. In in my head, Kaden, we're all the Red Ranger of our old Power Ranger team. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I would I would watch that Power Ranger special. Everybody's trying to lead, nobody's following. It would be an absolute mess. They try to form the Megazord to be all chests and heads. <laughs> Shame. Uh, so our audience can get to know you, and if they decide they love you and want to uh, go out and immediately support you, do you have anything that you'd like to plug for them? Any places you like to direct them? Well, so I'm a I'm an audio I'm a fiction audio series drama creator. I've been doing it for many many years, and the the current show that I have out is called Carcerum. That's C A R C E R E M, and it's. Uh, it's a fantasy show. It's a full cast, full sound effects. It's much more like it's like the HBO of audio. It's like wa- listening to or experiencing Game of Thrones or uh, Lord of the Rings, but just for your ears. Uh, original score. It's award winning. Like all Lord that of stuff. the Rings for your ears. Yeah, Lord of the Earrings. Um, <laughs> so that pun should stick. Um, and so and Tracy, could... I need you to isolate that and loop that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Earrings, Lord of the Earrings, Lord of the Earrings. Again, just always happy to help. So, I mean, we got, we have, if you're into like cartoon and animation guys, we got like uh, Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson, who are Pinky in the Brain. We got Neil Flynn, who is, who's the janitor on Scrubs or the father Mm -hmm. of the middle. Jane Lynch shows up in this thing. What? Robbie Rist, who is a Ninja Turtle. We got three, we have three different people who all play the same Ninja Turtle. Wow. Rob Paulson, Robbie Wrist, and Townsend Coleman have all played the same Ninja Turtle. Uh, Robbie was the voice in the live action one, like the original live action one. Rob Paulson was a car- 90s cartoon. I think Townsend is now. Townsend was also the original voice of the Tick. Like we got we got some Invader Spoon. Zim is in this. Yeah. <laughs> we got, uh, I-, I was looking through the the cast section of of your website like when we were first like in- getting introduced and I was like this is an incredible cast. This is truly wild. <laughs> so my partner Bill Holmes, he's been in the voiceover industry for a long time and has come up with a lot of these people and we did a, a version of a Chris- an audio version of a Christmas carol 10 years ago with Maurice LaMarche's Scrooge and then all these people heard about it and when I I've been trying to make this show for 10 years and when they started hearing about that we were going to do it, everybody was like, well, I want to be in this. I want to do it. And and they all just agreed because they thought it was going to be so much fun. And fortunately, none of them have been disappointed. Oh, the coolest. Uh, now I'm just talking. But if you go on the <laughs> website, we did we get we have we have behind the scenes interviews. Believe me, I have no right to work with these amazing people. It's not like <laughs> I, you know, I don't know how it happened. But in the circle became Cameron Crowe, the director. He's in this show. He has a what? very small part of the show. He became a friend of ours. And we were like, you want to be in the show? He's like, yeah, sure. And we're like, what? Heck? But if you go watch his interview, it is the <laughs> nicest thing that anybody's ever said about anything I've done. Oh, that's what? That's so wonderful. Oh, I man. feel like I lied it's about insane. my resume to get here. <laughs> like, like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Lord, that is that is not my usual poll uh, for sure on this. Um, Shane, what? I, uh, my, my question to you: my, now, now that we know that you you are a media luminary and you you have a wonderful show that like folks uh, should go out and subscribe to so they can listen to immediately after this, my question to you is: Do you have a favorite noir film? I do, and it's not fair because I already know- said it's Zootopia, huh? Zootopia. Wow. No, and I'll tell you, I have I have many a thought on noir, but my favorite noir movie. Do you know the movie Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid? I've this heard is, of that. This is not okay. the one that I'm familiar with. It is so much of what I want a movie to be. It's not a movie that like can be always made or anything. It's Steve Martin, and what they did was they took these old old noir movies with like the uh, with, um, you know the the old old black and white actor people in those movies and they cut out scenes from them and Mm -hmm. then shot steve martin in a way that he looks like he's having scenes with these people oh my god and it is hilarious it's steve martin's in it and oh carl reiner is in it i think he might have directed it actually 
this sounds very good. It's so funny and it's so good and it's so imaginative. And I love I love noir. And I would say I don't know the movie that you were talking about, noir, but noir isn't like a story. That's what one thing about noir that I love is it's not a story. It's the style because noir came yeah. around because they were trying to make movies as fast as possible. They needed to m- make a movie a week. So that's why they made them that way. So it's a style. It's not a kind of story, which is what I fucking love about it. I didn't know the story of Dead Men Wear Plaid, and now I need to check it out because I love movies that do exactly what you described. Like, right? Kung Pao is like my like one of my favorite movies, and you just described a noir detective Kung Pao. Like, yes. I'm checking this out. <laughs> I mean, we, we were just talking about Power Rangers earlier. It's the same concept. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. But this is good. I, I feel very good about this. So today we are playing Shotguns and Sorcery, which is a fantasy noir game. Picture, you know, a D&D type universe. There are swords. There is sorcery. But it's in a really like urban setting, like big fantasy city. And there are guns and crimes and Lots of smoke and bullets and whatnot. So what we are going to do, we are not using the stock setting from this book. We are going to be making our own world that sort of reflects our needs and tie it into our characters a little bit. So the first thing that that I want to ask y'all, like what we have, one of you is human. uh, The other is what I've, I guess I'm calling beast kin because like we were like, oh yeah, it's human, but like you got like a monkey tail. So... Basically, we know at least there is some non-human like representation in terms of like people walking around this city. But other than that, we got a blank slate. So the first thing I want to ask is what is a like kind of architectural or structural point of fascination about this city that that we are in? Feel free to throw anything out there. We will just incorporate whatever ideas happen into our show. It's very Barokian, Barokian style architecture. Ooh. Okay. And for those right. that don't know what that is, you can explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> like old, it's like, you know, Notre Dame, like old, dark, you know, gargoyles, you know, that thing. I think that's Baroque. Yeah, I'm I'm googling baroque architecture now. Okay, it does appear Flying to be buttresses. extraordinarily intricate design. Um is is what I'm seeing here. Most of the facades of these buildings like like you said gargoyles, but it goes so much more beyond that. It it's like each stone is either painted, tiled or has like a a, a truly intricate carving in it and uh, y- y- you kind of hit the hit it on the head with like Notre Dame. Like that is that it looks to be a cornerstone of, of this architectural tradition. So like, yeah, that means our city has a lot of money flowing through it somewhere. Right. Or did anyway. Yeah. I would say it has tons of bridges. Like I think it's an island that's only connected to the mainland via bridges. Okay. Oh, so like, uh, would you, are you picturing like a Venetian uh, sort of like there are canals everywhere or is this? Yeah, I like that too. Like I I was thinking like, I was thinking originally like, uh, you know how Gotham is often pictured as being mainly connected to the mainland by like a couple of bridges. Oh yeah, like Manhattan, New York. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Okay. So yeah, there is like some engineering marvel in this place. Not only do you have these bridges that like connect it to the mainland, but we've got all of this Baroque like styling and design of this place. And because it's noir and, and Shane mentioned that like, oh, there was money flowing through at some point. I kind of think that right now things are in a bit of a wreck state of disrepair. Like, there are still the gargoyles. They are just worn, clearly not very well maintained. Because we are out, like, over the water, I also think one of the things that I truly love about Venice is it just floods there frequently 
and people living there are like, ah, oh, yeah, it just flooded today. And there's a ton of water that's inside this building. And, you know, it'll be gone again or it won't. And we'll just live a floor up. That's fine. <laughs> so I, I love that, like, as you walk down the streets of this place, you can see, like, kind of the watermarks of, like, different areas that it is flooded. And I kind of think, like, very much Venice style, like, we have these canals, but there are, like, new additions or refurbished additions to the city where they have, like, just bricked over what was there previously so they can Ooh. elevate it a little bit. So, like, you can even see the Baroque architecture is now, like, going down into the pavement because we have built on top of city that used to be there. It's like those jerks that put, like, like carpet over hardwood floors and now that we're ripping it up we're like why would you put shag carpet over this floor i get it well because they were drowning shame because well, they were makes more sense. i get it they were drowning um, in good taste so they thought they'd just do away with it i'd rather die than tile over this and well, why would you put down shag carpet excuse me have you seen shag carpet <laughs> uh, i can make i can make a shag angel in it um, <laughs> So the dirty. other thing that I want to add that may even be a little bit central to the plot of this is the reason the city is here. The reason there was so much wealth in the city at one point is it is built over a multi-dimensional dungeon. There is like a place in the city and maybe even multiple uh, places in the city that feed into an area that like monsters roam around and like treasures appear but these aren't like it's not like if you go in and clear out the the zombies or whatever that are down there that they're done and gone and you don't have to deal with them it's multi-dimensional monsters will pop into existence and maybe even sometimes out of existence randomly which means there's a lot of cool stuff down there but also there is this problem of monsters getting out and kind of running amok in the city. So there is a need for a class of adventurer, basically a, a pseudo militia of people who will go out and take civic contracts to like clear out monsters and, and make sure that extra dimensional threats are not, you know, disrupting day to day life in this city. And it's a huge industry that is like, you know, supposed to be relatively easy to break into because all you kind of need is to be brave enough to risk your life fighting some monsters and there should be always work for you. With that established, you two uh, gave me some some broad strokes uh, character backstories and like it kind of felt to me as though uh, your characters were, you know, maybe maybe in uh, one of the less nice neighborhoods or, or lower income area of this city. So the thing that that I want to know is about your neighborhood. I would just love for y'all, like, I think y'all should be from the same neighborhood. And just just tell me, like, something about your neighborhood, something about the day-to-day. -day. Like, maybe one thing that is good about this place that, like, that you kind of like makes it feel at home. And one thing that is, like, awful about being here or dangerous or what have you. They have great street food. Mm. Because nobody can really, you know, it's it's... I, I, I don't think it's the most lucrative neighborhood in the in the city, but you know, people mostly it's like street vendors selling food and, and stuff like that. I like that. Are you picturing kind of like Hong Kong style where you've just got rows and rows and rows of carts or is it I am now. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um I think they can be a little bit more spread out. But but it is it's it's a lot of like that kind of thing. Like you can walk down the street and technically nobody has a, a spot that's really like legally theirs. But people can get, in, you know, scuffles. But it's always like, you know, the tamale guy is there. And if you want a tamale, you go to the tamale guy because, you know, it's a family recipe and they can't own a restaurant. So they have this, you know, street thing. And because it floods so much, they can move very quickly if need be because you never know when that's going to happen. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, you know, now that like we have established that this is a city that that is, you know, has a lot of canals in it and we've got cart vendors, perhaps, 
Perhaps these are on boats. Yeah. I think it I think yeah, I think there are boat vendors. That is great. I absolutely love it. So like yeah, you have uh, th- this you must be in the district where a lot of these boats like kind of dock and deploy. Maybe they they try to, you know, float around different areas of the city to to reach different clientele, but like they are coming home here. Uh, yeah. uh that that makes sense to me. And and I think I live there cuz I can kind of blend in to it. I think you can you can easily blend into this area more than like I, I see that. I like definitely the the idea that this area has to be like very multicultural. Like if it is uh, you know one of the America is a complicated place, but w- w- one of the things that that is really fascinating about America in terms of culture surrounding immigration is that like starting a restaurant that is related to the the culture that like you're you're immigrating in from uh, is is how a lot of people get a foothold in the culture here. So the idea that like yeah, this is a neighborhood where a lot of people immigrate to. And then, like, it is not that much money to, like, get themselves a boat, get themselves, like, supply of food and run a restaurant. Um, It's certainly much easier than, like, getting a full brick and mortar location for for your restaurant to run it. So um, I like it. Yeah, you've got this, like, little little place where, like, a ton of different people from all over are are just kind of living and running these these restaurants. Uh, Noir, let, let, let's go to you. What, what's, what's like, a, a positive feature about this area that makes it feel like home to you? I'm going to say it is a community of a lot of retired heroes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. I like that a lot. Like, uh, to be clear, like a lot of people come here to go to that dungeon to try and get wealth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And our community is made out of a lot of the ones that were unsuccessful, but they have stories. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They they save a lot of money throughout their lives, maybe. So when they're done, they're like, well, I ain't going too far. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I also. 401k for freelance people. If that if that uh, like career doesn't work out for you, it, it probably also means like some physical difficulties later on in life. Like, you know, th- if it goes wrong adventuring, it can go very wrong. If you walk away from it, uh, you're probably not walking as quickly. Um, and in a canal based city like Venice for from a disability perspective is an absolute nightmare of a city. So I I am curious, Noir, like uh why why is it that the retired adventurers are are gravitating to this neighborhood? What what makes it like welcoming for them and kind of where do they hang out? Uh I think one of the reasons that they hang out here in particular is that they sell their services of of uh story and knowledge. Oh. Ooh. That I think is a cool thing that we can tie into the overall culture because what we have here, we've got this community of like people with boats that run restaurants. What if like it, it, it is uh, if you are a a fan of like um, fantasy novels, like one of one of my favorite fantasy series is is written by Patrick Rothfuss, The King Killer Chronicles. He talks a lot about how people that play music are a huge draw for like inns and taverns. So the idea that like yeah, you hire an old a salty old adventurer to like kind of sit with you in your restaurant. And tell stories of of their like heroine days to the people who are like coming by for lunch and whatnot. It's a big combo, a huge draw. Um, because a lot of the people who are like going out and like grabbing food from these stalls have to be the younger folks who are trying to make that adventure in life work. So so there's a little bit of like, ooh, can you give me a tip about this and whatnot? It's a lot bigger draw than slam poetry. <laughs> Yeah, that did not work out. That did not (laughs) fall through. Luckily, they had the slam poetry infrastructure, though, like still in place. So it was easy to just shift over for old adventuring stories. (laughs) Okay, I love that. Uh, Now, hit me hit me with your negative. Like what 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 makes it hard? What is not working about this neighborhood? A lot of scoundrels. A lot Mm -hmm. of people taking advantage of the older retired heroes. 
you know, not all of the retired heroes retired, you know, able to defend themselves and whatnot. So a lot of scammers, a lot of thieves. Yeah. I, I And like, I think this can tie pretty well into the backstory for Shane's character in, you know, you mentioned uh, working at a kindergarten and things just didn't go well. I kind of think there got to be racketeers here. There have to yeah. be like people from organized crime going around offering like protection services um, uh, that are obviously to protect you from them um, and not yeah. really much else. Well, and I think I think that that it's one of those areas where you're like, you can't have nice things because the minute you have something nice, somebody's coming to take it. And it could mm-hmm. be completely legal in in the way that it happens where the you know the city or, or whoever are like oh this is the you know it's almost a communistic kind of feel in theory where it's like oh this belongs to everybody so we're going to take your new car so this area is not allowed to have nice things because of the racketeering because of the people so like you get a good teacher in a school and they immediately get pulled to work at a different and a much better area so even mm. when you get good people who live here, work here, want to help, they basically get completely stolen and like kidnapped away. Yeah, th- I mean, this sounds like very capitalistic. Like uh, as soon as a good thing pops up, it gets like commodified and therefore funneled to the the wealthier classes. That yeah, that tracks. And I think that for people who did lose their legs, this is silly, but I feel like their wheelchairs. Like, because everything is, like, can flood at any time, I think mm-hmm. almost everything can convert into a boat at any given moment. That just makes so, sense. Yeah. So people in wheelchairs, like, there are, like, fins on their wheelchairs. So if it they start floating and then they can still wheel and move forward. Like, and the, the stalls and everything, it can go up and down, and, you know, because they had to adapt and, and, you know, be inventive with these things that are just, in a moment's notice, everything can go to hell. Yeah, I like that this neighborhood is like one of the neighborhoods where, yeah, the Baroque stuff actually hasn't been bricked over at any portion, which is like kind of good because like all of that cool architecture from from better days was still there. But uh, it also means that stuff looks nasty. It's like covered in algae and like mussels and whatnot. And basically high tide every day is the, the the first floor of every building essentially cannot be used. So yeah, this is like a second floor district um, uh, where, you know, sometimes like it is, uh, the hot, the tide is so high that I can't get in the front door, but it's too low for me to like get pulled up into the second window. So I got to wait to get into my house kind of thing. So we've got that. And the the last thing, of, uh, what what what's a what's a name for for our city here? Now that now we've got that established, some people call it Tonsville, but we <laughs> call it the River. I was gonna call it Oasis because I, I'm always down to hide a Wonderwall joke somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the Champagne Supernova District. <laughs> I usually just open my mouth and find out what comes out with everybody else. I like. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I, I'm I'm going for it. It's Oasis Baby. <laughs> oh no! Mm, uh, uh, you made a mistake. You yeah, made that's a okay. To get to the dungeon, you have to pass a wall. What's mm-hmm. the name of the wall? The Wonder Wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You goddamn right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not pulling up every single Oasis song on the internet right now. <laughs> I hate Drop myself that I don't have to. Hot rest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an Oasis soundtrack for a noir film is, is like surprising, but I'm sure we could figure out a way with certain arrangements to make it work. Minor that key and let's roll with it. There it is. Ass of smooth, sexy sax. Hello heroes, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we have something new coming to the OneShot Twitch channel. 
So in recent months, I have been getting really heavy into Magic the Gathering. Uh, it is uh, a lot easier for me to find the time to play Magic. It's a lot easier for me to uh, be ready to play Magic as opposed to having to prep for a role-playing game. And I have gotten some really excellent people together who want to play Magic with me. So tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the OneShot Twitch channel, I am going to be streaming Magic in a new show that I'm calling Holding Priority. Uh, I have a, a, an incredible stable of, of people who want to, to join me in this. Uh, notably among them is Daniel Guan of Asians Represent, as well as Paul Stefko, just so many others. I got a big group together so that no one would feel pressure to show up uh, when I wanted to do these streams. I'm going to try and do them every week. Obviously, we'll see how that goes as we get closer and closer to the arrival of my second kid, uh, which happens in early January. But it is a way for me to hang out with some people, to provide some content for the One Shot Network, and to play a game that I have really grown to love. So head on over to twitch.tv slash oneshotrpg, hit that follow button, and you will get notified whenever we go live with whatever content we have. So tonight, 8.30 p.m., you'll have a chance to, to see me play some Magic, some Commander. Uh, I hope you tune in. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks, heroes. Now, let's get back to the show. Then I, I think I've got enough information for us to begin. And we begin at night. The air in Oasis is always thick and salty. It's a very humid place, and this is a summer night, so it's warm, despite the rain, which is falling in sheets, which makes running through a city like this a very dangerous proposition. The only thing that we can see is the intense flare of the moonlight, as gaslight to this district has to be cut off when the water reaches a certain threshold. Splashing down the side street, uh, we can see someone running. It is a panicked sprint. They move past, bobbing in the water, the many boats that have been tied up to the dockside, past the decaying gargoyles and inscriptions on the walls that once made this place quite beautiful. We can hear her running. We can hear her breathing, heavy and panicked. My question first goes to Shane. Shane, we see looming behind her what she is running from. We don't see it fully, but describe one thing about it for me. It's very large. Large enough to blot out the moon as we're over her shoulder. It thunders down the street. We can hear her try to scream for help, but it might be that the screams are just swallowed by the rain. It might be that people hear screams for help all the time, and they know that at the source of them is always some trouble, so they keep their shutters closed. It seems odd, even for here, even for a place like Oasis, which can be callous, cold, and cruel, that no one would respond to the thundering footsteps behind her. She feels the size of the beast as she runs away from it. It feels like it should move the cobblestones with its steps, but there's almost no sound. The only sound it makes is the splashing of the water as it pushes it aside undaunted. She's clearly experienced. She clearly deals with situations like this of one kind or another on the regular. She vaults over closed up carts and stalls, moves over the crumbling bridges that connect the canals which interlace between every part of this neighborhood. But to no avail, the beast pursues. Noir, my question for you, clearly, this person is skilled. Clearly, this person is fast. Why does she get caught? Somebody sabotages her. What does that sabotage look like? I think she looks back to see how much ground she she's gained, she's uh, made between her and this beast, 
and off in the distance somebody wounds her ankle uh let's say with a crossbow bolt there is no sound but there is so much power that we can see in the moonlight that is like piercing i like the idea since i established that it's raining but also that we can see the moon that the moon in this place is violently bright almost like a sun it makes the difference between day and night here incredibly indistinct and perhaps the cloud cover is near constant it pierces through the clouds enough to give us a faint glow around the water that explodes off of the crossbow as it looses its bolt it moves through the air and finds her ankle easily now injured she falls to the ground and draws a weapon shane what kind of weapon does she use a knife she draws a knife and holds it out in front of her preparing to meet what comes at her there is a scream as we pull away and we can see blood intermingling with the water on the streets of this oasis neighborhood and we begin our story i think i think i would like to start in the office of shane's character and i have not asked either of you what your characters names are yet so this would be cool shane what i want is for you to describe for me what your character looks like and what what their office looks like and where their name is like listed so it can be visibly seen so the office is it's it's bare there's almost nothing in it if if there wasn't somebody sitting behind the desk you wouldn't even know that that it was had been occupied wood door wood desk wood chair that's about it a ceiling lamp that doesn't really look like it works incredibly well and i am sitting behind that desk i have a ratty clothes that i probably wear every single day i don't have a lot of imagination when it comes to clothing and i don't i have things that would rather think about other than what to put on the wet never really bothers me so it's a it's a it's a long jacket and i have boots because i don't want to have to worry about whether the tide comes in or out it's raining if it's not so i'm kind of always in that same outfit uh i have a long tail which i use as a tail and good choice uh, yeah and it's 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 really like the only thing you see of my name is right outside the door where you would think like a nameplate would be i just took a like a blue sharpie and just wrote john doe and so that's i never really cared so people need something to call me so i that's what they can call me i think there is a knock at the door to your office we can see through the glass and you know because this is a noir film it it has to be that you know kind of slightly patterned fogged glass that that you get on on these old doors um you can see the silhouette of a person outside and yeah there's that knock what do, what do you do i'm just gonna sit there and see how much they actually want me to answer <laughs> if they just knock once and walk away it's probably a package i didn't want anyway we're gonna cut outside the door and noir I think you are standing at this door, knocking. I want you to describe what your character looks like. My character is in a light button-up with a leather armor top on top of it with bracers and elbow pads that go up the white button-up. It's got a side cape and a hood. Uh, he's got a quiver on his back leather pants and uh and utility boots like unnecessary amounts of straps like hanging from his like waisting thighs <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking 90s pouches level just ridiculous yeah. levels of pou pouches he's also got a uh, uh black sunglasses that cover up 
uh, his eyes because, um, yeah, we're keeping with that 90s aesthetic. He's about a six foot tall black uh, black guy, completely bald, but he's got like a really long and pristine beard, one that I wish I could uh, grow. How, <laughs> how Okay, I am curious about the beard. How, how is it maintained? Is it like sort of just like finely trimmed or is it braided? What do we got going on there? He, he's one of those lucky guys where, you know, he brushes it and it just lays out perfect. I, I hate one them. of those lucky fictional guys that only exist on I, television. I, I, I hate, no, I've seen them in real life. Like they, <laughs> they're like unicorns, they're like shiny Pokemon. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, his beard is real nice, and it's it's got a little it's got a little salt in there. So he's got the uh, gray black salt and pepper beard. Yeah, he he looks very professional. All right. What I'm what I'm gonna say is first of all I do want to know Noir what is your character's name? So we got John. So my Noah. character's name is Noah. Okay, I think Noah either has worked with John before or or knows John from just around the neighborhood. Um, first of all, how do you feel about this person, and how does that like sort of radiate through your body language as the person who asked you to take them here? sort of like waits patiently. I think he's trying to uh, kind of cover up the fact that he knocked and there's no answer. So he's just kind of looking back like, <laughs> happens all the time and he knocks again a little bit more enthusiastic, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, his his body language is trying to hide that there's a little bit of annoyance that the, he's out here in the rain. He's just looking at his client because it's all about looking confident even if you're not confident so he he does not break looking like he knows exactly what's happening at all times are you certain this man can be trusted i i know that i asked for your help and that i needed that help to be discreet but uh i don't want to be a bother to anyone oh you you won't be a bother and i i vouch for this man with my life I've worked with I've worked with him on several cases. Uh, don't worry, I'm sure. Uh, just after a, a night of uh, doing some uh, extremely effective and efficient work, he's just a little tired. So <laughs> just, just allow me one more moment. <laughs> you win. Try the knob. <laughs> See, uh, and, and a clever test that was, you know, just and he just turns the knob. <laughs> I think the door creaks open and we can hear like the slosh of water as it pulls across like the thin layer of water that is on the floor of this establishment explaining partially why everything is so bare this is a ground floor unit dirt cheap some might even say flood cheap and we can see the client walk in she's wearing a cloak but i do since we're going for a bit of a mashup here stylistically i think it is a cloak made out of like that tan fabric that you would see on a trench coat She's got a, a hood pulled up over her face. Um, she's also wearing sunglasses. And she is holding it like tightly around herself as she maneuvers her way into the office. There, I imagine, are, are actually, are there chairs for um, uh, clients or visitors to sit at? Or is it just your desk? There, there, are, two, there are two wooden chairs that are... Not the, the sturdiest looking chairs, but they exist there. They're mm -hmm. a little off to the side, and they are for... They came with the office, really, but yeah. they're there for people to sit in. Oh, yeah, you want this office? It comes with these chairs, and they cost you extra. And also, I can't move them. They're cursed. <laughs> Great, leave them. It's fantastic. Yeah, she, she walks into the office and she stares down at the chairs. It looks like for a moment she moves as though she's going to take a seat and then hesitates. Um, I think to someone as perceptive as John, it's kind of easy to see that like she 
feels that even the vulnerability involved in sitting down is going to be too much for her to contemplate. She'd rather stand in case she needs to run. How old does she look? It's hard to tell with so many of her features uh, covered up, but you'd estimate probably in her, I'd say, late 20s, early 30s. You know, the chair won't bite you. You can always lift your feet and keep them dry. I mean, you sure uh, the chair won't bite her? Because I heard they were cursed. I'm afraid a chair is not the thing with teeth that I'm worried about today. Mr. Doe. Well, stand if it feels right. What can I do for you? I need you to investigate a murder. You gotta be more specific. That's a hundred of them a day. Happened last night. In this neighborhood, just a few blocks over. My sister. Hmm. What happened? Well, according to the police, it is an open and shut case of one of the creatures escaping the dungeon, running amok and taking a victim. And I don't... It doesn't feel right to me. That's very astute of you. According to the police, I'm the Queen of England. England? From the fantasy novels? They're useless people. They're just useless. Don't get me started on the police. Let me tell you something about the police. If they could find their own ass with two hands, they couldn't do it. <coughs> Look, lady, it's been a very long night. Your sister best was of the best. No, you just bring these people here. Why should I care about any of this? She raises an eyebrow, which is visible even beneath her hood and sunglasses. Well, I imagine it's because I'd be offering you money, Mr. Doe. It's a start. Uh, how old was your sister? Younger than me. About five years. It's... She's my half-sister. My, we only got into contact with each other later in life. I choose to believe everything that she's told me about her life and herself, but quite frankly, before I met her, there's a lot that I didn't know. What'd she do for a living? She was an adventurer. She spent a lot of time in the dungeons and a lot of time in this neighborhood. She was good at what she did. We shared an apartment together. She always paid her part of the rent on time. And there's never been an incident. And not in the dungeon itself, which... I've, I've never been myself, but I've heard about the kind of place that can be. Terrifying stuff. For one of the creatures to break out of the dungeon, it's not unthinkable, but for a single one to have bested her, not given her the opportunity to flee, even, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know what to do. She... What makes you think she was murdered? I, I, I can't imagine how she would have been killed by, by, by some random beast that, that escaped the depths. Also, she's only been at the work a few years. She, she took out some loans to get started. She's been in debt, and she's always given me the impression that she was on time with her payments. But, but again, I, I've been trusting her. Trusting the things that she's been telling to me after finding out that she's passed away. I, I don't know what the truth of anything might be. What, what she could have concealed. And, and, and without her, I, I'm afraid that soon I will be out of a home. You think they're going to come after you for her debts? It's been known to happen. She... Like I said, she, she was insured. She, she was always responsible. She, she took out a policy uh, with, with, with the, 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 the loan institutions that, that would pay, pay her wages. I, 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 have, I have the policy right here, but it says that 
if she was killed in the course of her work, it pays out a certain amount. But if it turns out it wasn't in the course of her work, then it's a civic matter. And the, the city settling its suits, it could take months for us to even get a notice from the treasury. So are they claiming that she wasn't killed in, in the line of work? They haven't claimed anything yet. They're going to be sending an investigator soon to, but they're going to talk to the police and, and they'll just go by whatever the report is. And if it's some random monster that escaped the dungeon manages to kill the sister, then it's a civic issue. Open and shut case. And I'll be waiting around for any payment. If, if she took a loan that was outside the legal system then they probably will come for me, or at least her things. And in the meantime, I'll have to pay rent on time, and I just don't know how I'll manage it. Okay, I can't promise anything. But my feet are getting cold. I'll go talk to the, the agency, if you just get out of my office. He is very much as you described, Noah. At least in one way. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll get you'll get the job done uh you know i just after hearing your story i can't i can't uh help but wonder exactly where are you getting the money to pay us i'm taking a bit of a gamble i figure if i'm thrown out then i'll have nothing anyway so if i pay you what i have now then then at least i'll have a chance well, that's all I need to hear. I just want to make sure that you were able to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're all about helping, you know. Shane, I would like you to make a perception roll. Like roll? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you're going to roll a d20. Um, Got it. And we we'll pull, pull up your character sheet here. So it's a level four of difficulty for this roll. But looking at your character... Uh, you are you are skilled in perception, uh, which means you'll lower the difficulty by two factors, which means this is a two. So you need a six or more. I got a fourteen. Hey, hey, there we go. That that is that is some success and then some. So you can see that, uh, like even through the dim light of your office, which I don't know, I don't know how interiors are lit in this setting. Um, so, you know, I can even leave that in your hands. It's it's an overhead light that seems like it shouldn't work, but somehow does just enough. Yeah. It, what, 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 what sort of bulb is it? I described gas lamps outside, but, like, there could be something cool and magic, so I'm just curious if... Yeah, it, it's not a gas lamp because uh, uh, it would have been doused and I would have died from gas fumes by then but i throughout <laughs> my travels i got some basically magic crystal ball kind of thing that um can just i basically tied up there with with some rope yeah i like that the lighting solution is a crystal ball basically you install it affix it to whatever ceiling and you have to bring like some kind of mage or whatever in there to like establish a connection to another dimension where there is just a lot of light and it will cast out that faint light um so like even in the faint light of this room uh you can see as she is pulling her cloak like kind of over her shoulders and whatnot on her hand there is like a, a slight indentation, like smoothing of the skin where a wedding ring would have been. Do you live by yourself now? I lived with my sister, as I said. So you live alone now? Yes. Is it just you? Are you all alone? Yes, yes. That's that's why I I went I went to Noah. He's he was a friend of, of my sister's, and I, I trust him implicitly. Well, that was your first mistake. <laughs> uh, I mean, not a mistake. <laughs> you told me you bring me the best clients. This is what you bring me, a widow with a dead sister who can't pay us. The, the, she can, I can pay. She I, have, can pay. I, have the, I have the gold right here. 
And it's it's solid too. So you are a widow. Yes. Was he an adventurer as well? He was. Seems like adventurers die around you a lot. I'm afraid I don't like your tone or implication. This well, is just how it gets to know people. Don't worry about it. Give me a lot of almost information, lady. And I'm about to go out there with this guy, who we all trust implicitly, to find out about some woman I don't know. Mr. Doe, if there is information that you need for the course of your investigation, I am more than happy to provide it. I have come to you, and I am offering you money. If you do not want this job, I can find another investigator. I'm sure there is someone that, that I can afford for what I have sold to get here. So you can either do it or not. I open the drawer to my desk. I take out a, a green, like a dark green, like fishing hat, and I put it on, and I stand up, and I put on my, my ratty, like very long raincoat, and I just say, if you could afford somebody else, you wouldn't be here. I'll let you know when I find something. And, and then I just open the door and just, just like give her a nod to it's time for her to go. Noah, are, are you sure? Is, is there no one else? He'll get the job done right. You won't enjoy the experience, but you'll appreciate <laughs> the results. All right. It's like, it's like medicine, you know? It, it goes down like crap, but you'll feel better. Noah, please be careful. I I don't... I'm realizing I don't know everything that Evelyn was involved in. Listen, Evelyn was good people. You're good people. I'm going to take care of you. And I, I have a knack for not dying. I've done it every day of my life. So don't <laughs> worry about me. Well, then let us both hope that your streak continues. I mean, the good news is if it does, it's not my problem anymore. But <laughs> I'll be all right. I, I have an uncle. Uh, he, he, he lives not far from here. I, I'm, I'm going to stay with him while, while all of this is happening. If they came after her, if anyone came after her, I, I don't know what they would come after her for. I'm, I'm just... I'm taking everything that we had, and I'm going there. Don't tell anybody else where you're going, okay? Thank you. <sighs> That's no problem. I owe Evelyn anyway, so instead of this me paying off the debt. This episode of One Shot uses music from the following artists. Lineage by Shimmer and Dystopia by Ian Koloski. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. That's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We will be back with part two of Shotguns and Sorcery next week. As usual, we end one shot with a call to action, and today, the day this posts on November 7th, well, it is election day tomorrow in the U.S. So, if you have a chance to vote early today, please do so. If you have time to vote tomorrow, please, please, please do so. We need major turnout to prevent a massive Republican takeover of both the House and the Senate because uh, if that happens, it's really going to look ugly in a couple of years when the presidential election rolls around. This is a super, super, super important election. Uh, it, it might be hyperbolic. I'm not sure. This might be the most important election of our lifetime. And that's really saying something, given how important the uh, past presidential elections have been. So please get out there and vote. If you have already voted and you can help other people get to the polls, please do so. If you have a, a uh, an opportunity to register to vote same day, if you're not already registered, please do that. Uh, just help in any way that you can to uh, get votes cast and get people turned out because this is just ridiculously important. Thank you, heroes.
As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.